Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas, and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I have a special guest with me, Christian Sosinski, coming in from the US. Christian, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor. I've been, you've been so consistent with your, with your content and, and everything. I've, my dopamine has been spiking on every post, uh, so I'm really happy to be here. That's what I love to hear, man. So do you want to give, uh, give my audience a little bit of a, a background about yourself and sort of maybe how you got into biohacking and what you do today? Yeah, about my existential development and, uh, and the whole journey. Well, I actually, so I actually listened to some of, your, some of your podcasts and I heard your story initially. I also heard your testosterone talk and, and everything. And, and we actually have a similar background. So I was obsessed with soccer. Uh, I played, I, I grew up in, in Poland for the first 13 years of my life. Uh, then we kind of moved to Sweden. So, you know, as, as, as I, I don't speak any language, any, I didn't speak Swedish at the time when we moved. Uh, I've been obsessed with soccer already. Uh, so I literally get moved to a completely different place and, and all that, like, all that drive just had to go straight into soccer because I had no other output because I couldn't even speak the language. Uh, so I definitely achieved the next level of like, that's all I was thinking about. It was, it was soccer. I'm going to be the best soccer player in the world. Uh, this is who I am. This, it was my complete identity. Nothing. I didn't care about anything. It was my way of achieving everything from social status to, to, uh, to respect in general. And it's what I really took great pride in. And, and so the, the cool switch in the story is that at the age of 14, I began to have a ton of injuries. And, uh, and it was ev- everything from, from back pain uh, to pulling my hamstrings, to pulling my glutes, to pulling my hip flexors. And, uh, and as kind of, I, it was very frustrating because I could see some of my friends that, you know, were, let's say, even or, or, or not, not even, let's say, I was pretty grandiose at, at the time, but they were, you know, they started catching up to me. And that was such a huge... Uh, you know, that was such a huge damage to my pride that as, as I was getting advice from all, all these physical therapists to all kinds of rehab, 
and advice from multiple professionals. I even went to the doctor and, you know, getting MRIs, all kinds of nonsense the way I see it now. Uh, but it really initiated this huge skepticism in me for professionals at the time because I was having to, I, I literally went from the happiest guy alive, if you measure my biochemistry, to just being completely depressed and like having no purpose, no meaning. Because who am I if not the most amazing soccer player? Uh, so that kind of emotional intensity got channeled into problem solving. Mm -hmm. And I started asking questions like, why am I getting injured? Because the answers I kept getting from, from the professionals was, well, you're a very explosive player. Uh, this happens. And you, you know, it was very like observational of what typically happens. And, and in my idea, and my thinking was like, well, sure, but if everything was perfect in an ideal world, if I was moving, like a lion doesn't just go after a gazelle and pulls his hamstring and then, you know, cracks his back. It's biology is way more efficient at, than that. And so I kind of started with that question and it led me to discovering like optimal biomechanics within running. I, I, I began to understand concepts like, like elastic energy production and kind of a fit, like topics that weren't discussed by professionals, even at highest level in Sweden. Um, and, and I kind of applied that same, uh, that same thinking to other things because as I started cutting out the habits that all my friends were able to get away with, you know, I stopped drinking soda, I start, stopped drink, eating chips. I began to notice like a completely different type of mental clarity. I had, I was classified as an ADHD kid. Like I couldn't pay attention. I, I remember my karate instructors yelling at me for not paying attention and calling me names. And because, uh, you know, they, they th thought I was disrespectful. But my attention span was literally if you talk to me, your facial expressions would uh, distract me. Like I wouldn't be able to hear what you're saying because your facial expressions were so distracting. Uh, so it was really messy, but as I began to improve my health, well, first my injuries improved. Then I noticed just my mental clarity, my ability to listen, my ability to express and, and learn. It just began to form this new identity, and I and I began to take great pride in, in problem solving. And and from there, I you know I, I started to optimize things. I started to look into different research from from you know from connecting feet to, to glutes and kind of how, what is the optimal way of moving for a human being and what distinguishes the highest possible performers from, from mediocre performers. Because the two same people can have the same uh, ability to produce power, yet they move so differently. And, and it, it just, you know, that kind of emotional experience and that kind of attachment to finding out the real solutions I guess that's when it was born. Uh, so, so that's kind of uh, from one obsession to another. And, and <laughs> by the end of my career, I, I was just so much more interested in trying new things and experimenting with the different principles and optimizing my performance and improving other people's performance that I was like, I don't care about the game. <laughs> I'm curious about the experiment. I became the crazy scientist like, like yourself. Uh, you, were, you were talking about how you want to discover, you know, something that would truly benefit humanity. And, and I definitely, uh, I think you and I have definitely been shamans in our past life, just the crazy, <laughs> the crazy people. So that's kind of, that's kind of how, how my curiosity was born. Yeah. I love the passion, man. That's, um, yeah, we definitely align in that regard. Um, yeah. and the whole idea of like, you know, being a, a an athlete, you know, your identity is so fixated on you know, that's how people view you. And yeah. I feel the same way, man. Like when I was playing professional soccer, like that was just who I was known for. And yes. it's sort of at the time I was like, is this really who I want to be known for? Because I, I, I also felt like there was something more. Um, and that's when I transitioned into what I'm doing now um, to benefit more than just my coach, more than yeah. just my team, you know, like. Um, Play a bigger game. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's funny, you mentioned the whole, um, you know, the, the ADHD aspect. Do you feel like that you, you've been able to use that to your advantage in, in some way at all? Possibly in the fact that I couldn't really, uh, I never identified myself as a student because I sucked at the game, so I didn't want to play it, <laughs> probably. 
uh, to an extent. But I definitely, there's definitely some cool research that was one of one of the one of the places where it was shared was the molecule of more uh, from I think Daniel Liberman. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was talking about how basically ADHD people and even bipolar people have a certain difference in dopamine receptors and kind of that their dopaminergic system is more sensitive and that that's why things can be more distracting. But I definitely think the traditional way of viewing ADHD is kind of like a pathology of possibly pre-existing um, sensitivity, if, 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 that, if that makes sense. Mm. So I definitely think, I don't think, you know, I know that at the time my ADHD was just sheer inflammation, just neuroinflammation, gut inflammation. But I think there's definitely, there's definitely something to sensitivity to, to risk. And the whole like concept of being like some kind of need to achieve something grand is possibly slightly pre-existing. I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting. Robert Greene talks about it a lot uh, in his books, but, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, so one thing we sort of discussed a little bit before this podcast was uh, a little bit about like, um, you know, that you mentioned two factors of success and the two systems in our brains. Do you want to tell yeah. my audience a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So, so it, it definitely, I was definitely a very knuckle dragger kind of guy. Uh, but early on, it definitely didn't work out, uh, both, in, both in terms of career, until I understood how much strategy actually matters, both in terms of strategy of uh, uh, like how you deal with coaches, how well do you build a relationship, how well do you sell yourself to actually deserve some playing time. Like all those factors that, you know, you don't really think, you, you know, in the whole uh, kind of performance and maybe athletic industry, it's all about hard work, hard work, hard work. And part of it is because as athletes, we're actually not much in control of our own strategy. We get it. We get the prescription ready from the coach and we're hoping for the best. Like hopefully he knows what he's doing. Unfortunately, most people don't. And, yeah. and so, and I, and I had the same lesson in business because as soon as I was done with soccer, I was like, all right, I'm going to get into business. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be the hardest worker ever. And, you know, took a year, did all right. Um, but, but it was ultimately the, not the right strategy. And so that really launched me and punished me for not taking into account that success is much more than just hard work. And, mm. and I came across a guy like Ray Dalio, which he was talking in an interview, interview about, uh, about how he thinks that the two factors of success, right? This man is an investor. He's great at recognizing patterns. He said two factors of success are your ability to select the right strategy, first one. And the second one is the courage to do to, to take the actions. And I actually disagreed with him because I don't think it's the right way of looking at it as courage. It's actually your ability to follow through with the actions you want to take. Ability to follow through with the actions you consider rationally to be the right actions. And that's where we enter into the world of biohacking because what is your ability? Well, part of it is your cognitive function. It's your hormones. It's your, uh, you know, it's, it, you kind of talked about it on, on a different podcast is are they lazy or do they just lack dopamine? Do they have a pathology in the dopaminergic system? So it's, and, and, and the cool thing is, so right, we have the ability to select the right strategy, the quality of the strategy, the coherency with the science. And then we have your ability to execute on that strategy, to consistently take those actions. And the reason we, we can connect that with the brain is because uh, in 2002, Daniel Kahneman won a Nobel Prize. Now, he won this in economics, but it was actually a psychological discovery. And these two factors in our brain, he, he wrote a book, Thinking Fast and Slow. And he talks about how in our brain, we have system one, which is kind of your intuitive, emotional uh, brain, which is responsible for, it can think really fast. It can act really fast. It's, it's your first impressions. It's your it's really the part of your brain that is able to produce biochemistry. Uh, it, it produces emotions. Now, we also have the second system, which is our rational brain. And it's a slow process of thinking things through and thinking statistically and kind of mathematics and, and kind of where you direct your attention. And this system two is operating in the, um, in the environment of system one. So whatever you know, biochemistry is pre-existing, it's going to predispose you to some kind of biases. But what the interesting part is when you look at the two factors of success, of your ability to select the right strategy, you've got system two right there. The strength of your system two, what kind of information it has to 
it is able to take into account, right? That matches perfectly with the first factor. Second factor is your, you know, your ability to take the actions, which really is the coherency of your emotional brain, of your biochemical reactions to different actions throughout your day between what you rationally want and how you emotionally react to things. Mm. So now it's, it's very abstract, but it's, it's kind of like a person that is trying to get fit. People who are fit have a very different biochemical reaction to the idea of exercising versus people who, who hate to exercise. They have a cortisol spike. The, the person that is fit has a tremendous amount of dopamine that is making him want to go to the gym. So that's... I love that, man. Yeah, it's, um, it's cool to hear it from that sort of perspective, you know, looking at the different systems. Um, and you mentioned the fact that like there was a point in time where you wanted to just be the hardest worker. Mm. Um, and I want to touch on this. This is like the, um, the common... You know, it's the common idea that's often put forward by successful leaders and yes. um, entrepreneurs, Gary Vee, people yes. like that. You know, you have to post a hundred times a day. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like I want to explore a little bit around that. And that's like, I feel the same way, man. Like I, I am someone who wants to be the hardest worker in the room. Um, and I feel like that can be both, you know, beneficial, but then also the question really arises around the sustainability of that, like mm. how and the point of burnout. So like I want to I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, people and particularly in my field, you know, studying naturopathy, um, we're encouraging our clients to have balance. Mm. But I look at my I look at my work output and think, I can't have balance if I want to be the best. Yes. Like how can you have balance if you're going to be like, I want to touch on that. So what do you think, what can we, what can we learn and balance and, and, um, success? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. So I think, I think it's important to distinguish, uh, kind of how much pride are you taking in your own part of working hard? Like how much ego is involved in you wanting to be the hardest worker in the room? And how, and what is it that the true goal is? Is it to be the hardest worker or is it to produce the best possible results? And if we're truly to optimize, then we have to take into account the reality, right? And the reality is we have the sympathetic nervous system and we have the parasympathetic nervous system. One produces anabolic hormones and one produces catabolic hormones. And it's, it's kind of like if you want to build the maximum amount of muscle or if, or if you want to perform as an athlete, being overly sympathetic is going to wreck your performance. I've done this mistake. I was the guy that was working out twice a day, three times a day, uh, fasted, you know? So it's, and, and, and it's kind of part in business. It translates really into like the correct decision-making is way more important than just sheer amount of, you know, how fast can you dig a hole? It's, it's so much, there's so much more to that. And, and it's as well connected with like alpha brainwaves. We know that it, there's a certain state of mind where you're not extremely sympathetic, that your body is actually able to prioritize the system too. So it's actually very connected with, with, with the two systems and kind of, and kind of correct decision making. The higher your stress, if you are overly sympathetic, you're going to have a, in your reward system, there's going to be a complete different set of priorities. There, you're going to begin to prioritize short-term over the long-term. And if you want to produce something truly great, you have to prioritize the long-term. Mm. And you cannot be in a state of fight and flight, in a state of survival. You, so so it's, it's, a, it's something, the hustle and grind mentality can work if you're, if you're just so lucky to have come across the right strategy from the very beginning. But it's a lot more complex than that. And it, there is a lot to selecting the strategy and there's a lot to continually refining that. And if you're just gonna, if you're just gonna kind of work as a coal miner, yes, that's respect worth, like you're doing a really hard job, but it's not as effective as it could be. And if you care about your impact more than you care about the badge of honor for, uh, you know, grinding yourself to, to complete exhaustion, then you're going to find, I guess, a balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, um, it's, it's interesting how you, you really emphasized the fact that decision-making is ultimately more important than, than the action itself. Um, and I, I think something that I find very difficult myself is like being too overly analytical with making decisions, you know, like, yeah. How do we get ourselves out of that sort of headspace of being overly analytical and just being like, you know, you're stuck between like maybe two decisions yes. or three decisions and you just, you basically rank them and you, you, know, you go through your head, the pros and cons of each. But from an entrepreneurial point of view, speed is key. Mm. Like making decisions fast is key. And yes. even if you make a decision that's wrong, like, the time it takes for you to process that and like learn from it is more beneficial than actually being stuck in like that analysis paralysis. So you said some very good things there because there is a, so, you know, I kind of laugh at Gary Vee sometimes because he says a lot of ridiculous things, but here's the thing. A lot of entrepreneurs have a bias for action. And so here's where philosophy comes in and, and kind of the benefits of there's a real, real tangible benefit to having a bias for action because if you're analytical, but you know, if you're just sitting there, you only are able to take into consideration as many factors as you currently understand. But when you're able to move, you're able to test those beliefs against your environment and you're able to get new information. And, and we know that when you make a mistake, boom, it's very noticeable. Like, like you will learn rapidly. So I think there's, a, there's an element to understanding that moving is of the essence. Like it, it's, mm. it's so important. Yeah, I like that. So let's um sort of segue onto a little bit about maybe NLP. I mean, that's something that I've sort of started to you know research and practice myself. Mm. Um, even like body language as well. That's another one that I've been sort of paying more attention to. Um, but did you want to for those like for my listeners, they may not be familiar with what NLP is, neuro-linguistic programming. Yes. Do you want to maybe break it down and sort of explain? First of all, do you want to explain what it is and then maybe how people can utilize it to mm. benefit them Absolutely. in everyday life? Yes. Yes. So NLP is definitely, definitely makes a lot more sense in the light of its function and, and kind of application. So, you know, what it is, you could say it's it's taking using as many different psychological and linguistic tools that we have to kind of direct and optimize in the general sense our mindset but really when we're talking about mindset what's important to understand and mindset has ha- has gotten a very bad reputation sometimes just because there's so many people that have given subjective advice but when we're talking about directing your biochemistry and making sure that your mental model of the world is not only coherent with reality, but that it's beneficial for you and kind of that it's helping you to move in the direction that you want to. It's really about the usage of both beliefs and values. So this is something that I actually learned from Tony Robbins. I came across his, I read his book um, when I was 18 years old, first time. And it was definitely mind blowing that we are, we can actually be so in control of our emotions and that was really, you know, one of the things about high, like ultimate high performance is are you able to be in charge of how you feel? And are you able to trigger your emotions in the way that you want to? And that's as well part of being emotionally intelligent, right? And it's really a tool to use to change how you feel and how you react biochemically to different situations and different decisions. Mm-hmm. So it's part of kind of your ability to change your interpretation of different situations in a way that makes you motivated towards doing the right actions. Uh, it's about using, you can intensify or, or detensify different, different experiences depending on the words you use, depending on the metaphors that you use. You know, we use the, 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 the term play a bigger game before. And, and it's really, you know, it kind of shows you how we approach life in general. And, and it also that and that in, in itself adjusts our biochemistry. So everything, every single belief has real consequences, especially biochemical ones. So, so with that in mind, it's important to know both what, what values and emotions are driving you the most, what you value the most, 
so that you can actually create a plan that allows you to experience them on a regular basis. But it's also about knowing kind of really adjusting your emotional mind, really adjusting that system one so that it's coherent with what you rationally want for yourself. Because so many people set goals that they say things that they rationally want. I want to be in amazing shape. Yet the foods that would get them there, the, the, the choices that would get them there, they trigger their fight and flight response. So they avoid doing that. So it's, it's really about creating coherency and using that as a tool. Mm. Yeah. There's one particular thing you mentioned about being in control of your emotions and the fact that, you know, our subconscious thoughts are really dominating our behaviors and actions every day. Yes. And I think maybe 90% of people aren't even aware of that. Um, and one thing I want to sort of delve into is the fact that you know, we're going to touch on sort of nootropics and, and, and um, how we can manipulate our neurotransmitters because there is a really potent link between, from my experience, when I optimize certain neurotransmitters that my thought patterns significantly mm-hmm. change. Like, for example, there's been certain compounds that I've experimented with that have targeted a particular serotonin receptor, that 5-HT2A receptor, Um, which a lot of psychedelics and, you know, mind altering compounds tend to target. And from my experience, when I mildly applied a compound that would interact with that receptor, I noticed that my thought patterns became a lot more deeper and I'd start thinking about much more deeper, not, not dark, but deep and very like, um, the meaning of life sort of, mm. sort of concepts. And like, that was a bit of, that, that was a bit of a surprise to me about a year ago. I was like, I don't usually have these sort of thoughts. And it's interesting that like now I've now been able to use a particular compound that's been able to evoke and trigger these thoughts. And then it's like, well, this can be extremely therapeutic. It, this can be very, very powerful and very useful for someone to, if they're stuck in a particular thought pattern, then, Sometimes some people need that little bit of a kick or they need that yes. little bit of like a, like a catalyst, something to, mm. to provoke change. Um, yeah, that was, that was a pretty interesting experience. When yeah, I, um, I bet. First of all, let's, I mean, let's acknowledge the fact that you are writing down, you're experimenting with different compounds and writing down different effects. And you were actually talking about how important self-awareness is, uh, both for mm. yourself and you think in general. And that's actually associated with a, a, a part of your brain called insula. And so your insula is probably huge. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a how, really... How do you spell that one? How do you spell that one? Insula. insula. Yeah. I-N-S-U-L-A. Okay. Insula. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a real tangible... Self-awareness is tangible in the structure of your brain. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's ways to increase the size of it. And, and, and so, you know, you, can, you mentioned a couple of things there. And, and it's actually very interesting because one, the, the use of nootropics in the world of performance, why is it useful in the first place? Well, because not only can we, our, our thoughts can alter biochemistry, but yeah. our, our thoughts exist and are produced due to your current chemistry. So it's a, yeah. so it's a two way influence. And, and now a cool thing, you know, about both serotonin and, and dopamine and even testosterone and cortisol, all of those are influenced by your posture. I don't know if you've seen the TED Talk, uh, but she wrote a book as well. Her name is Amy something. I've forgotten. Yes, I have seen that one. Yes. It's like about power postures or something. Yes, right. So she talks about it in in, in terms of acute effect of posture on your biochemistry. Now, that's sure. That's like pretty cool, right? But think about what happens to you as a person, like as as your personality from your habitual postures from your habitual way of moving, from your habitual way of speaking, from your habitual way of standing, of looking, like that has an effect. Like she was talking about how two minutes adjusts your, increases your testosterone by 20% and decreases your cortisol by 30%, right? That's significant. But think about the effect that moving and sitting and, and standing in a certain way for years on end. You know, you talk about myelination, right? Talking about creating white matter how the neurons you fire become wired. 
I mean, you are, how you move even has that effect. And so what I'm definitely interested in, in terms of nootropics, and I hear you talk about this, is actually the, the long-term effects of usage of nootropics and how that can ch- create changes over time. Because like you said, like there's a two-way street. If my testosterone is higher, my thoughts are going to be completely different. There's even been studies on like sitting. If you're sitting up straight with your like with your, um, with your entire body erect, like there's serotonin receptors in your spine that are able to kind of adjust based on your serotonin levels as well. So like low serotonin. Now there's 14 receptors of serotonin. So, you know, you talk a lot about, I've never actually met anyone that, talked as in depth about different types of serotonin receptors as you have. I've studied serotonin in terms of its effect on psychology. Uh, so I definitely, you know, you, you've taught me a lot about the, the nausea effect and, and the, all the different effects. But I studied in terms of psychology and there's been so many animal studies as well as human studies showing <laughs> serotonin's effect and posture's effect on both uh, social status and, and your ability to basically climb the social hierarchy as well as even the type of thoughts that you have. So mm. it, it governs, literally governs your self-image and, and governs a lot of different things as well. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on, um, on serotonin a little bit more. You said yeah. that you're not the first person that's mentioned this. I've heard it from another friend of mine um, who sort of mentioned how important serotonin is for social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we, we sort of already know majority of the functions of serotonin, you know, in the gut, increasing motility, you know, triggering nausea. Uh, it's also, it down-regulates metabolism. But one component that I guess is important to stress, and this is why as a scientist, it's really important that we don't just get stuck in this reductionist mentality and also that we are open to challenging our current thoughts all the time. Yes. I mean, I, the amount of times that I've been, that I've done a complete 180 <laughs> on, a, it's unreal, man. Like, like my, my older brother's like, dude, you said that was good for you. And now you're saying it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> keep up, keep up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's sort of like, cause I fell in love with the, uh, Ray Pete's research around, that's where I learned all about. Mm. serotonin and polyunsaturated fatty acids and cortisol and thyroid. You know um, a whole lot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And, and he mentioned that, you know, serotonin, the way he describes serotonin really is that it's this, it's a, it's a, it's a stress hormone. It's a stress neurotransmitter that seems to be elevated in various metabolic conditions. Mm. Even like I've, I've seen research that, demonstrates that, you know, high serotonin is bad for insulin resistance and also just thyroid function in general. But in terms of social status and like social hierarchy, have you, I mean, there's probably no other time in your life that you've been like, that you want to like, you know, level every day we wake up and I'm sure you want to just level up. You want (laughs) to level up in some way. You want to you know, tick off tasks or, you know, just climb the hierarchy. Let's sort of, let's look at that from like an evolutionary point of view, you know, like why is that such a, why is that for guys? I don't know if it's the same with women, they feel the same way. I know there's testosterone involved that really dominates and dictates our behaviors in that regard. But why, why is it that as humans, we're so always striving for progression and development? Right. So, so that's, that's a set of great questions. And I think we definitely need to dive into at some point in the future, because I, right now I don't have enough answers uh, about how testosterone influences this, this neurochemistry. Cause I know it has just like kind of the interaction between brainwaves, you know, what comes first, neurotransmitters or brainwaves? What, how do those influence the, the hormones in general and how do hormones influence those? But as far as serotonin, I definitely have dove into the research on that. And it, and it comes from both, uh, if, I don't know if you've heard of her, Loretta Graziana Bruning. She's an, she's an author that has focused her entire work on neurotransmitters and specifically studying primates and, and also really <clears throat> diving into the animal studies because that's where we have more kind of context and we're able to make things more controlled. So, so I actually have this in my course where I break down kind of the functions of serotonin 
and dopamine in our goal setting exercises because part of the way in which we want to be doing things is we want to make sure that kind of attach this biochemistry to our goals and and four functions of serotonin which will really make sense in a from an evolutionary perspective is really your happiness your general you know it's sort of i mean it's ultimately a measure of social status biochemically it governs your confidence and it governs your strategy for survival because depending on your social status it's not strategic to be as confident as you possibly can all the time it's very situational you shouldn't be confident if there is a bullet in front of you you shouldn't just be like all right let's go so part of the part of the serotonergic system is that it governs your happiness and kind of your you could say self image even um, now it's very hard to target it with uh, nootropics right now because we don't know how to selectively target <clears throat> that specific receptor. Yeah. Uh, so j- just mentioning that, but it also governs your amount of positive emotion to negative emotion. So the higher your status, the more it makes sense for you to be more driven by positive emotion. Why? Because let's look at a lion versus a gazelle. What does a lion have uh, in its kind of pursuit of opportunity versus avoidance of risk? So, so it, it really makes sense for a lion to be extremely excited and extremely grandiose. That, oh, I can take anything. I can take down anything. But for a, what happens to grandiose prey? I mean, super confident, no negative emotion. They get killed. They die. So it's really, for us humans, we have been both, both the predators and the prey for a very long time. So this system is designed to be very, to have a very, accurate and real perception of yourself. Can you actually win? Because if, if I'm wrong, you're going to die. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's part of that. So it governs your reward system in terms of opportunity versus risk. It also governs your stress tolerance. So the higher your status, the more there is to win for taking risks. Because one, as your serotonin, also Simon Sinek talks about this in terms of, you know, in terms of leadership that serotonin is the chemical of leadership, well, because high-status people are supposed to lead. Part of the reason why they're high-status is so that they can lead. So it, it really governs how sensitive you are to stress, how sensitive you are to uncertainty, and how much you actually react. And there is, there is real connection to how serotonin acts acutely in stressful situations. And that's actually a very interesting part of research because, you know, and, and it could be interpreted as serotonin is a stress hormone, but it actually very much fits into the whole perception that serotonin governs your confidence. So if you're, if you're having to uh, fight, basically, which is, by the way, a separate uh, circuit in your brain, it's connected with xiphoid nucleus, and it's a separate circuit from your amygdala's kind of flight and freeze. So it's a different, almost different circuit. And depending on your levels of serotonin, uh, on that specific, uh, in that specific receptor, you're going to respond differently to danger. Um, and then there's also simply your, you know, a more, I guess, more theoretical uh, idea is that it governs your perception of the, the world in a way. And it governs your both physical posture because as your serotonin increases, your posture improves. And as your posture improves, your serotonin can increase. But spinal flexion leads to lower serotonin because that's the... Uh, acting of lower status spinal flexion as yeah. in sitting so so sitting like we're sitting right now <laughs> in, in a way so 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 that actually spinal flexion is associated with with lower serotonin while being expansive and yeah. taking up space that's part of right power posture which is actually raises our serotonin in that specific receptor so so but here's here's a cool thing you know, we talk about physical posture and how it influences your biochemistry, but your biochemistry completely governs how you look at the world. I mean, we know that from drugs. I mean, if you take drugs or nootropics, as your biochemistry changes, how yep. does your vision of your future shift? Completely. Completely. Completely, completely different. Yeah. So, so a lot of people, the, the wonderful thing I think about biohacking is that we can, we're able to adjust this biochemical conversation and this biochemical mm. environment that then allows us to actually live with standards that we consider much higher. So you look at a world completely different than if you were just slouching in a couch, drinking you know, a soda and, and eating chips. You know, it's, it's, it's just such a different perception of your goals. 
and it influences your dopaminergic system a lot. Yeah, that is so true, man. I mean, there's one thing you mentioned how um, the biochemistry can highly influence our perspective of, of the world. And when I, when I know that my own neurotransmitters are either dysfunctional or I just don't feel good, optim- like I don't feel optimized, like from a neurotransmitter point of view, my perspective on my business, mm. on my relationships, on my exercise is all negative. Yeah. Whereas when I'm in a really good headspace, you know, I've looked after, I've taken care of my sleep and, you know, I've optimized for nutrition and things like that. I'm so optimistic about everything. Yes. Like I'm just like, bring it on. Like I'm ready to take this challenge. Yes. Like, and it I'm, makes total sense. Like evolutionary, mm-hmm. think about it. If you're not ready for a challenge, why would you go do it? You know, if you don't have the mental energy to do something, why would your body, like, why would you go after the goal if you can't yeah. do it? So it's really the connection to the second factor, like your ability to achieve something. So, mm-hmm. you know, in that state, when you're looking at your business and your chemistry is all low and you actually don't have the energy and you're looking at this grandiose goal that requires so much effort and your dopamine, which is responsible for your perception of effort and kind of uh, really, you know, can make progress euphoric when that is not there what do you have it's like you you can't do what you're thinking about so let's have some negative thoughts sit your butt down (laughs) and and recover yeah i want to sort of go back on to the serotonin one thing that i did find through like personal experimentation and working with some other clients is that people that you know, people that want to raise serotonin and when they do through, you know, tryptophan or other nootropics, things like that, one thing that I've found is that it actually makes task initiation a lot more difficult and also your willpower, it becomes less and then you also become a little bit, because serotonin makes you feel content. Yes. That's the ultimate recipe for feeling, for procrastinating, like procrastination, right? Because if you're feeling, this is why, this is really weird dichotomy, like yeah. dopamine is not centered around reward. It's the, it's the pursuit. Yes, it's the pursuit. Yeah, it's, it's not the actual outcome. Yeah, it's the want, <laughs> the desire. The actual outcome and the reward is mediated by the opioid network. And, you know, I'm probably going to dedicate an entire episode to the whole opioid system because there's a lot of things that people are doing that are either interacting with this system for example using the sauna mm. um you know i showed my, my sauna just before our chat um and have you looked into like the dynorphin system or like the kappa opioid uh, receptor system much at all or not not that much i just i just <laughs> know that when it comes to reward and when it comes to euphoria itself of like actually achieving the goal there's all those neurotransmitters are working together. Now, dopamine is involved in, in like achieving something because it's involved in reinforcement and it, it's involved yeah. in neurogenesis as well. Yeah. So it's actually very much responsible for wiring, atta- like attaching those intense emotions to the actions that led you there. But, it's, yeah. but, but like you're saying, it's not, it's not pleasure at all. It's more like a, this was amazing, but you want more of it. It, it. Dopamine can only make you feel more, like you want more. So in the molecule of more, he was actually talking about how serotonin is much more of that here and now chemical kind of, which is, which is really enjoyed, contempt. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think the difference lies there because the, the studies on, on serotonin and, and kind of social status and how it leads to uh, climbing the dominance hierarchy, which is a form of ambition. It must be that there's, that there's so much complexity within the serotonergic system and it's involved in so many things because as we know, it's also involved in being the precursor to melatonin. So yeah. I, that's, and I think, and I think right now we haven't fully understood how we can, how we can, first of all, differentiate between the systems that affect status versus the systems that affect sleepiness, contempt, uh, like parasympathetic activation which is you know, part of why carbs are so good before sleep is because one, they lower your cortisol and I think they, that might be involved with your serotonin uh, yep. as well. So 
it's it's very hard to distinguish between those systems. And I mean, it, it's an exciting it's an exciting uh, venture to find that out. It is, it is, and um, through personal experimentation, I've actually I've really uh, been able to hone in on. You know, obviously, you know, I like to optimize for dopamine, and how can I strengthen that pathway? Mm. Uh, and one thing that I found a few months back was actually my desire to achieve the goal was a lot stronger than the actual reward of finishing the task. Mm. So it almost became like I was on a hamster wheel where I was like yeah. just constantly running and getting shit done, and like, but the actual reward. Yeah. There was no actual pleasure. I was like, "Yeah, I've just hijacked." <laughs> so that, <laughs> yeah, your your biology is completely <laughs> running your life there. It's like, Lucas, fulfill your purpose here, and you're <laughs> you're done. Uh, yeah, well, it's that's actually part of what he talks about in the molecule of more is that dopamine cannot make us feel pleasure. And I actually yeah. noticed this when when I. When I am like extremely, extremely dopaminergic and when I'm like producing results after results and I'm getting ideas after ideas, like, you know, if my wife comes to me and like wants to snuggle, I'm like, listen, babe, I am so dopaminergic right now. I cannot feel any other emotion than ambition. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it's, so it's, it's really funny, but it's, it's, it's very much true. Like those are such different systems. And that's why I think biohacking plays a, an amazing role because we can adjust that that production that that power yeah. uh, like what, all the production however i think psychology and belief still has its place because you know if if your beliefs lead you to a certain thing and then depending on how much dopamine you have is going to determine your level of motivation and commitment right. if your entire mental model of the world is messed up you raise mm. your dopamine that's what happens when people are given L-dopa, you know, yeah. medicine. They suddenly become gamblers and yeah. they don't know what, what happened, you know. They become addicts because yeah. you just increased the fuel for whatever beliefs were already there. Yes, yes, yes. Get the systems in place first, build the infrastructure, then apply yes. the, the tools, the therapeutic interventions to strengthen, yes. to strengthen that already well-defined and uh, – uh, something that contributes back to humanity instead of it being fixated on chasing goals for yourself. Yes. Imagine if we hijack the brain to be able to, to strengthen the, the pathway of giving. And that's something that I've like, that's something that I've really tapped into recently is like, mm. I'm cause I'm now so fixated with my, my own time and like, cause the business is growing so rapidly and which is exciting, thrilling and I'm all chasing and wanting to achieve more but I always want to come back to one thing and I always, always say this and I really want to stay true to it and that is that do not get greedy. Do not ever let this, like the thrill, the fame, whatever, always come back to giving to those who need the help because that, for me, that when we're talking about a reward pathway, for me, when I give to someone who's extremely like, desperate or less fortunate that response there is like i had it the other day i had a friend who a guy that i helped you know he reached out and i i just wanted to help him out and that feeling of just being a good citizen a good person is is oh man when i got that feedback i was i was literally euphoric the whole day i was like i feel so bliss i feel yes. like i've actually contributed and made such a difference to the world mm. yes and 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 i think there's real like biochemical consequences to actually involving yourself both in your philosophy but also emphasizing your ability to contribute to others because ultimately if you're just out there for yourself and for your own ego when are you going to celebrate and why would you even celebrate you're just there alone so mm. you know you're describing like that's part of your oxytocin like if you can involve your yeah. dopaminergic system to drive you to achieve something that you can then celebrate with oxytocin and serotonin and, and like the whole chemistry, the whole set of, you know, possible human emotional ex experience. That's really when you find purpose. And I, that's, that's really, that's really awesome to hear. It's, it's really cool how you just brought up uh, oxytocin. Um, Cause <clears throat> I just did some research on its like effects in the body. And I, I, I was quite surprised when I found out that, 
it's one of the only hormones that has a positive feedback mechanism. Whereas like, you know, endog- like exogenous like testosterone or mm. um, thyroid medication. Yeah, it goes, yes. You know, the the down regulation, negative feedback. Whereas oxytocin actually has a positive feedback. And I was like, mm, interesting. I wonder what happens if you used it oh, orally wow. or sublingually. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have my lab rats that I, that I or <laughs> got my friends who experiment before me because I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm like, I actually just want to live life. I don't want to continuously experiment because like it's, it's actually, I just want to just, just be at baseline all the time instead of just fluctuating. I think that's up to your dopaminergic system, Lucas. I don't think you're fully in control of that. You're a crazy scientist, but, but, but yeah. Yeah, the oxytocin, like I was like, oh, this could be, oh, I wonder how we could use this in specific scenarios where someone feels sort of like that learned helplessness. Mm. Like imagine if you gave them one dose of oxytocin and obviously for those listening in, this is not medical advice. Yeah, no, we don't Um, do any of that. (laughs) So with oxytocin, it's like, right, if this is going to facilitate a feeling of connection, or you know, help with that trust. Mm. Could you imagine? Could you just imagine um, administering or f- filtering oxytocin in like a criminal, like a like a criminal or a prisoner or something like that? Could you or imagine PTSD. the violence? Yeah, yeah, PTSD, violence would drop. Things like that. That's just a yeah. It was yeah. quite an interesting uh, discovery. The fact that it has like a positive, positive it feedback. It's a it's a it's a huge discovery because you know. If, if, if it's truly that, you know, you inject oxytocin, you suddenly get completely different perception and then that fuels that, you know, that new perception and it just goes on and on. I mean, that could have huge, like exponential impact on, on people's behavior. Exactly, man. We've spoken a lot uh, about some really, really fun topics and we'll probably have to do a second, a second episode uh, down the line. We've uh we've we've delved into some really like really deep and uh, philosophical topics, which I've really enjoyed. It's it's going to be a great start to my day. Um, yeah, I'm already I'm already feeling. I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say that you have biohacked the time by living in Australia. You're way ahead of me. You already started your day, and I'm like about to go to sleep, slacking. Yeah. <laughs> um. What about we talk about some of your experiments, some some experiments that you've conducted? With yeah, yourself? Um, yeah. <laughs> actually, uh, I have a, I have a really cool experiment that happened actually with a friend of mine while we were smoking weed in the woods. We ran. We then basically had a feast of different uh, healthy foods <laughs> in the woods, and this this happened about three years ago, I think, maybe more. And we we basically sat down. We had a feast. We had a fire, and and we were getting a little high and just just kind of uh, hanging out and and exploring things and and actually what i discovered when i was every time i i've smoked which i don't smoke on a regular basis at all i've probably smoked like five times in my in my life but every time i do i've been able to observe like my self awareness and kind of the thoughts that are presenting to me seem to be coming from like way earlier in the chain of events when it comes to your thoughts actually popping up. So what I mean by that is that like I was able to observe the conversations of what you think in a, in a way. And, and the craziest thing was that my posture and my posture relative to people around me, which was an insane social, like, you know, I was going crazy. But my relative posture to others, like which which leg was going next to that person. So like if, if he's sitting on my, my right side, if my right leg is kind of caved in and my left leg is out, that actually, is, that actually decreased my confidence. But if I actually change my, my right leg to actually be closer to him, we were both high, so we don't have much rational control over our behavior. So we became more emotional creatures. <clears throat> But I was able to trigger anxiety in my friend, which means that like I was doing, I was behaving in a certain way and I was like, oh my God, you're getting anxious right now, aren't you? Because I, I was like delving deep into the, into like posture and biochemistry and kind of how you communicate. You, every time you communicate, you communicate your biochemistry to the other person. And yeah. so 
And when it comes to dominance, as soon as you become dominant, the other person becomes more uh, withdrawn and, and like slightly submissive. That's kind of how human interaction works. But what happened then, I was able to trigger anxiety. And then I stood up and I got like big and I invaded his... his... Now, we were having a conversation during this time. I wasn't just torturing him. Uh, but then like he was, he was kind of losing control. And he said like, my heart rate is up. Like he was, he was explaining me, giving me all the signs of anxiety. And then I actually sat down lower than him. And I actually like made my, I, you know, I, I did my kind of, um, spinal flexion and just kind of uh, sat in a very uh, like small, took very uh, small amount of space and his anxiety, he actually started feeling better immediately. So it was, it was absolutely insane that discovery. And, uh, it's happened over and over again. Whenever someone is having a, a bad uh, reaction while he's getting, you know, while that person is high, we actually have been able to reverse that loop because you enter a loop where, you know, each anxious thought is feeding into you being more anxious. But as soon as you reverse their posture and you open them up and you make them into something that where they are posture wise comfortable, it completely reverses the internal conversation that they otherwise don't have control over. So that was definitely a hell of an experiment because that's happening every day, every single moment, just less conscious. That's unreal, man. That is, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Yeah. You said there was a, a moment where you could almost, did you say you could almost see the thoughts before they appeared? Well, I or- could see how my brain was trying to reason what to think and like... It, it's so hard to describe what was happening, but I, it, it was almost as if my brain function went away from my cortex and I was able to see the conversations in my in mammalian brain and my reptilian brain. So it was much less, like it was much less, I was much less in control. Um, yeah. And it was much more like just reacting to whatever there was. There was no like rational input that I could put into it, if that might, or it was limited to say the least. That's unreal. That is, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. That is really cool. <laughs> I actually, I've had, I've had several of those experiences where, where I was, I was actually in a sketchy, really place. So I'm a, I'm a hyper open person, which we need to talk about big five for sure uh, within psychology, but I'm, I'm very open. So I'm, I'm always kind of like, you know, once I'm away from my disciplined activities, I'm like, you know, let's, let's see what the world has to offer, you know? (laughs) But, um, but I actually went to a place where I didn't know anybody and I got more high than I was comfortable. And then I was beginning to feel cold, which really triggered my cortisol. So I could see that I'm about to have a panic attack. Yeah. So as obnoxious as it sounded, I was like, could I have a blanket please? Cause I know you talked about how, uh, how, you know, if you put socks on your legs, it actually triggers your parasympathetic nervous system because your blood flow, blood vessels open up and you're better able to sleep. Well, it was similar principle to when I put my blanket on, suddenly I stopped freaking out because the stress response is so general that even being cold increases your cortisol and can make you, can lead to anxious thoughts. So it's so interconnected, but I would say those are some of the experiences I've, I've, uh, I've experienced it. I've been experimenting with a lot for for many years, from niacin flushes, which is where where it began. To <laughs> it's really cool to um to chat with someone who appreciates the link between posture and uh, like neurology and mm. and how the way that we present and the way that we come across can highly influence our biochemistry. That's it's something that I, I mean, I knew about the, the power posing, you know, mm. boosting test and dropping cortisol. Yes, but it, it um, doesn't give it justice, like to the power no. of those circuits. No, and it's definitely, it's definitely an area that I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, exploring a lot more and I'll be definitely hitting you up and messaging you more. Yeah, tag me. Learn, <laughs> give me a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is fascinating. I, I mean, I've got a friend who does something called like Bowen therapy, just like, it's like just touching, just increasing that bodily awareness. And that's like, yeah, I guess as humans, we need to appreciate posture more so. And like from a performance perspective, again, that's, that's super important. But that's, um, that's pretty much it from today. I guess we've, um, like I said, we'll probably do a second episode after run to some other task yeah, <laughs> after this. Sure. But today has been freaking awesome, man. Like I really, really, <laughs> I really enjoyed the chat. 
with you, Christian. And um, yeah, do you want to let our listeners know a little bit more about you and where they can find or work with you one-on-one? Yeah, so uh, so you can you can go to my Instagram and, and slide into my DMs if you want to learn more. Uh, but what I specifically do for my clients is both in terms of you know health optimization and performance optimization, and including strength training. And, and I'm really big on the superhero physique, the superhero body, and, and there is real science to looking and and both our desire for wanting to look in a certain way and for our desire to admire a certain body. And, and the evidence is so coherent. Like when you look at, you know, when you look at the, the, the Hollywood body, there's actually evidence to support it. Whether we look into anthropology, whether we, whether we look into psychology or, or even biomechanics, like it's really the representation of the ultimate body. And, and, and it really allows us to take great usage of the halo effect, which is that, you know, once you observe a positive attribute in a person, you think that they have so many more positive attributes. So I've, I've really enjoyed being able to give my clients that kind of experience where they are actually, their body is a huge source of pride and, and like a representation to how they deal with the world and how they, how they go on the offense about it. And so, yeah, if, if you want to learn more about me, you can slide into my DMs. I've, I've got, you can go into my website and kind of learn more. It's opmyhealth.com. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear from you. You know, there's one thing that I respect the most about what you just described is the fact that you not only talk the talk, but you walk the walk and you've got, <laughs> you've got that superhero physique. So, you know, the, the evidence is in, in, in the pudding. So, um, yeah, guys, I'll be, um, I'll be listing all of what uh, Christian has mentioned in the show notes for today. I might just end off with one little question for you and that is... What are you grateful for today? I am uh, honestly just even today. I had a conversation with with my brother. I've been helping him out. It's, you know, he he suffered from depression when he was thirteen for the first time, and it was a huge like terror for my entire family and myself. And and honestly, just hearing his excitement for you know, he, he watched some of my videos about dopamine and serotonin and goal setting, and just hearing his excitement and hearing him take full responsibility without placing blame on himself. He said like that I actually, now I understand that depression wasn't something that just happened, just happened randomly. And he had no like blame in his voice. He, there was no like, Oh, I wish I knew this. So definitely the, the, the feedback that I've been able to get from working on myself and becoming more competent and, and taking it seriously and, and really taking full advantage of, of, all the opportunities that the world has offered and actually being super open to learning more and, and, and being proactive about it and my own development. Uh, and then my wife has been such huge help. Uh, I'm actually about to be a dad. Uh, so I'm about to wire the little baby's brain and, and create a little superhero. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so any kind of, any kind of uh, biohacks under two are welcome. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just grateful for life and I'm grateful I've been able to overcome some of the things and all the people I've met. I'm, it's been a wonderful time talking with you as I definitely look forward to our conversations in the future. Uh, you know, we'll definitely, uh, can do a lot together and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty high on, on happy chemicals right now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, um, yeah, thanks for coming on to the show. You, this will probably be like episode, I think number 11, but yeah, great conversation. And, um, I look forward to releasing this one. I'm really, I'm really excited about it and, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. For sure. Sweet. But yeah, thanks for listening in. If you really enjoyed today's show, please be sure to leave a review and please share this podcast because ultimately my goal is to empower people with the knowledge from my guests, people like Christian and also myself to give you the tools you need to take control of your health. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.